0: The tables have apparently turned, and we have a new update in the Elias Lindholm Calgary Flames saga. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Locked On Flames. As always, I am your host, Jess Belmosto, and thank you so much for joining me here today. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Flames wherever you get your podcasts, and of course on YouTube as well. We are free across the board, and who doesn't love hockey content during the dog days of the off season? Today we are going to be talking about Elias Lindholm and how he may be returning to Calgary long term. Tyler Toffoli sharing some stories on uh, Spit and chicklets that we just we gotta talk about. And of course some news and notes from around the NHL. Up first we have the update on Elias Lindholm that I don't think many people were wanting. Uh, it sounds like Lindholm's agent and his team has re-engaged in conversations with the Flames. Frank Saravalli on Daily Face-Off's podcast uh, said, Calgary is still making a pitch, still making a push to get Elias Lindholm signed. And I think it's unfair to say that it's been significant progress made, but I do think that perhaps the Lindholm camp is listening a bit more intently than they were back when the summer first started. So I think that there's a door open for the Flames to sign Lindholm. And I think they're hoping that if Lindholm re-signs, and if the team gets off to a better start, that you're going to see increased buy-in from some of these other guys. Okay, that's all well and good. You know, that looks really good if you want to still have a license. home. Your team it's it's hard because you know obviously the agents have to do their job the agents have to go out there and you know kind of test the waters a little bit see what the market is and no one was going to pay is going to pay Elias and home what the flames are offering him even that it feels like a little bit of a steep overpay if it does go north of $8.5 million. I, I'm horrible at projecting contracts, but I just know that it's gonna be an overpayment. You're signing a player for a long time, a long-term deal, he's aging. Why are you doing that? Don't you have enough money tied up in these older players? But there it it's just it doesn't feel good, right? We felt like there was there was some sort of buy in to this retooling, not committing to a rebuild sort of vibe that the Flames were giving. You know, they they've said that they want nothing but the young guys up and, you know, they're going to earn their spot on the roster and the team is going to get younger. But how are you going to do that? when the guy you're signing is almost 28 years old and you're probably signing him to a seven, eight year deal. Like to me, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like a license home is like a few months older than me. I could not tell you, I would hope to God I was not at my same day job and living where I'm living right now in eight years. That's terrifying. Are you kidding me? But it's like, this is what obviously athletes sign up for. And this is what like, they commit to, but you really have to think, do you want to be stuck where you have been trying to get out of? For the Flames, not for Elias Lindholm. Like, take him out of the equation. For, well, actually, no, keep him in it. But Elias Lindholm is a good player. He is not elite. He is a solid two-way forward. Could teams use him yes absolutely can teams afford him no and that's that's the bigger part of this conversation is yes anyone could use him even if it's just a rental but it it, they're not looking for a rental situation they're looking for you know that sign and trade or trade and then extension that's already agreed upon sort of deal but signing him long term just keeps you where you are and what you've been trying to escape. You don't want to continue to be in this mediocre middle. You are not like this, isn't like the middle of an Oreo where it's like the best part. It, it's not a good place to be, okay? Like, you, we all agree that it is tough being picks 16 through. 25 or whatever, right? Like starting at pick 15, 16, you, you, mm, it doesn't really bode well for you most of the time, but things just don't feel good. <laughs> if that is the case, you know, I have nothing but respect for Elias and Holm and his family. I think that he's a great person, but it's time for the team to get younger. You just got to commit to it. Also, Sarah Volley confirms that Noah Hannafin is not resigning. There is no changing his mind, regardless of how good this team is, which is fine. I get it. He's earned the agency to do that. Oliver Shillington is one of those guys that's going to be judged, assessed, uh, based on how he adjusts back to the, the organization and the game in general after a year away. To me, that isn't anything that, It seems out of the ordinary. I think it's fair. Even if it wasn't a contract year, you know, you want to obviously set your team up for success, but you want to set this guy up for success as well. He has been through the ringer and he hasn't, he hasn't been shy about sharing that, you know, you, you have to make sure that this is what he wants and what you're best equipped to deal with. I, I'm very interested to see these wait and see uh, vibes in the, that train we're getting from like Chris Tanev, Dan Vladar, uh, Nikita Zadorov. To me, that's very interesting. I do feel like Zadorov is going to be the first one to sign an extension. Maybe not before Lindholm now, but he was my first bet. Makes no sense for the Flames to keep, both Vladar and Markstrom. And we know they're not moving Markstrom. But coming up next, we are going to talk about some more Daryl Summer revelations. And the more that comes out, the more I just want to shake Murray Edwards and ask him what is going on. But first, I do want to take a quick second here to talk to you about a microhabit that you can turn into a part of your regimen that will make your tummy, your skin, and your brain all better. Uh, AG1 is the daily foundation, found additional nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. Uh, I started drinking it because, again, I have a bad stomach. I want some sort of regulation when it comes to my stomach. (laughs) I want, uh, I just want to feel better. I don't want to feel gross in the morning when uh, things happen. And I think that it's a great way to start the day. I enjoy just drinking it on the go. I take it in my little to go cup on my way to work. I drink it and I drink it really the whole morning and it gives my body the nutrition it craves. And since I've been taking AG1, I have noticed that I I do see the benefits. My hair is getting longer. I feel better. I feel like I don't have a crash throughout uh, the the end of the day. Like there's no there's none of that. And it's great because it replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. It is a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotic, and whole food source nutrients. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to ag1.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is drinkag1.com slash slash NHL Network. Check it out. Thank you everyone for sticking around with me here today on Lockdown Flames as we carry you through the off season and make our way. It is almost the end of August. The Flames have not played a hockey game in over four months. We have, we have made it. What once felt like an impossible journey, we're almost there. The light at the end of the tunnel? We're start, starting to poke its head out right now. Oh, boy. So, Tyler Jafoli went on a podcast and shared his... Uh, ex- some some of Daryl Sutter, Sutter-isms, I guess you could call them. Yeah. Uh, they ref- were referred to as funny stories, but I don't really know if they're funny. Uh, I mean... Telling your players after 20 minutes of a tied at zero game that they're going to have to, you know, go to the practice facility in the morning on a day off, and like threatening them with that and saying things like, "Oh, guess guess you want to go to WinSport? Guess you know, oh, we got to go to WinSport tomorrow." Is so like like I get it. There's a way to motivate your players. Not not after 20 minutes when it's zero zero. Some games just start slow. <laughs> and I don't know if the if the flames really needed another person in their ear telling them, oh, you know, you're you're you think you're tired now. Wait until you have to get up and drive the 20 to 30 minutes to outside of Calgary to WinSport, sport and then you gotta practice and then you gotta drive back and then you know this was supposed to be your day off. But no, no you have to work. And that makes sense when it is a horrific loss. When you get the doors blown off of you at home and the next day is supposed to be an off day. No. To me, that makes sense. Telling your players, you know, in the third period, you're down like 4 Like You need to be at the practice facility, win sport, 8 a.m. sharp. That, that, that's honestly probably late for, like, a morning practice. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like morning practices are always so early. But it doesn't make sense to me to just kind of nag them. That's not a good motivational tactic. And I feel like if it didn't work the first few times, it was never going to work. The one thing that really got under my skin was how he would tell – Dan Vladar to get ready because Markstrom isn't game ready. And it would be 20 minutes. It would be just after the first period, nothing, nothing. Markstrom is holding down the fort clearly because it's 0-0. And you have a coach saying, oh, well, why don't you go up there since he can't do it? And not only does that psych your players out, it sends a really poor message that no matter how well you you think you're doing, you're not living up to my expectations and I can change that at any second. Be so serious. It is not... That is not an effective coaching method, okay? Like, there were absolutely times in youth sports where coaches would use that kind of mentality. Like, oh, you guys uh, showed up late to practice or, you know, you had a really bad uh, game. You're going to do an extra lap or two around the the softball field. Oh, you didn't have a good... uh, Defensive outing in soccer, great. Look what we're going to do today. We are only going to practice defensive drills. And these are great ways, obviously. (laughs) They're effective ways when they're executed right. I do not think trying to psych Jacob Markstrom out like that did any sort of benefit. To Jacob Markstrom. If anything, it was pure detriment. And Jess, how do you know that? Look at his stats from last season. If it was any sort of like lighting a fire underneath him, you would not have seen the performance that we saw. And I'm not saying that athletes need need to be handled with kid gloves and we need to be soft around them or anything like that. No, you need to know how to coach to them. Not... Destroy any ounce of confidence that they may have, especially for a goalie that showed struggles pretty much the whole season. He did not have a chance to stand up and get on his feet before it was kicked back out from under him. He never had his footing. Every chance he tried to stand up and like shake it off, no, he was pushed back down. And to me, that is unacceptable. That is not an effective way to coach. That is not. How you want to be treated as a player that's so disrespectful. And The more that comes out, the more I really want to know why Murray Edwards let this go on for as long as he did. And why he just turned a blind eye to it. And yes, of course, it's not... Physically harmful, but it is affecting, I would say affecting people's, you know, mental states when it comes to the game. We saw, we literally saw it with our own eyes how defeated these players were. Do you think that telling players for like the six weeks straight that they have to drive 20 minutes out to win sport to practice on a day off is going to get them to play any better I don't. And you can't motivate people who aren't set up for success like that. You can't just light a fire under one person and expect it to catch. There there was nothing. There was nothing for that fire to catch on last season because they were kicked down every chance Daryl Sutter got. I want to know what those exit interviews were like. The more that comes out, that's really what I need to know. I I want to know what all of these players had to say about about each other too. I would love to. I would love to know that about the dynamics. We know that there were screaming matches, but then we find out what Daryl Sutter's muttering about behind the bench, and how he's trying to engage and entice his players to play better while doing like psychological warfare on his goaltenders, folks it's right there. The answer is right in front of us. How did things go so wrong? We have laid it out for you time and time again on this podcast. Other Flames content creators, journalists, digital creators have done it as well. This is nothing new. The picture just keeps getting clearer. It's unfortunate, but that is just the way it is. And ownership sat by and watched their team that they put all this money into be torn to shreds, to go through the shredder, to to have gasoline dumped on them and to someone light a match and walk away. That is what happened last season. And now I'm just getting really upset because this team deserved so much better than the games that were played in the locker room last year. And coming up next, we are going to wrap up the show with some news and notes from around the NHL and Treasure's Egress still isn't signed, so we got some discussing to do. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with me on today's episode of Locked on Flames. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. I had completely forgotten that Trevor Zegers is one of the RFAs that remains unsigned. Interesting, of course. You know, you think Trevor Zegers is one of the flashier, uh, producing younger players in this league, and the Ducks have a decent amount of cap space to sign them. They haven't done anything. Zegris told NHL.com, obviously, this is why you have people in place to handle this type of stuff in the summertime. I just have to keep doing my thing, what I've always done, and that stuff should take care of itself. He's not wrong. I mean, that is why your agent gets like a percentage of things, your lawyer gets a percentage of things, and you got people on a payroll. No, he's currently living out in Connecticut and spending time with Chris Kreider uh, in Stamford, Connecticut, playing and training and whatnot. So, to me, that's really nice and exciting. He gets as far away from work as he possibly can, and that's a great way to disconnect. And you're probably thinking, well, how did they? How did the Ducks sign Troy Terry? to this extension before Trevor Zegras. Trevor Zegris doesn't have arbitration rights this season, this, the same way that Troy Terry does. So it was a matter of, do we go to an arbitration hearing and have someone pick our number, or do we just do it ourselves? With uh, Troy Terry. With Zegras, you have two, t- two teams The Ducks and Zegers' people trying to come together and meet somewhere in a happy medium. There's no arbitrator there saying, you know, this is what uh, this person who makes similar numbers is making. And, you know, well, maybe there is a little risk here. So, you know, look at that contract and we're going to meet in the middle. I want to know how far off these two camps are from each other. I need to know. Jamie Drysdale is also an RFA that remains unsigned. What, what, what are we doing? What are the Ducks doing? I wanna know, are they potentially trying to move someone? Not either of those two. Are they trying to create more cap space? What are they doing? Zegris hopes that the signing of uh, Terry means that he's next in line. I mean, I would hope so. It's not like standing at a deli when you have a number and you know you're next. Ziegler has said that he will not return to Anaheim until he has a new contract. That sounds fair to me. He has it made out in Connecticut right now. He has access to a number of facilities. He's training with Chris Kreider. He's very close to Boston and New York. So there, there are plenty of resources there for him. A lot of players stay in that area during the offseason as well. So he he is just going to enjoy his RFA summer and cruise into a contract, as he should. Brandon Hagel signed an eight-year, $52 million contract with the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, today. And that has an average annual value of $6.5 million and begins next season and runs through, this this does not sound like a real year, 2031, 2032. Unreal. Not real years. We'll be in the 30s again. Remember once upon a time when the Flames were interested in Brandon Hagel? around the trade deadline, and they didn't end up adding him. He's only had one 30-goal campaign. I don't know if spending that kind of money is worth it. I mean, no shade to Andrew Mangiupani, but he got paid after he had that season. Where's the rest of it? And, you know, I just think that the more that the cap goes up, does we're going to see contracts that look really bad because they're more expensive, but they're still, like, proportionate to the cap because that's just that's just the way things work, right? Uh, also, Jonathan Taves is stepping away from hockey. Uh, he's in poor health, battling some autoimmune issues, and I believe that this has been going on since before COVID or, like, just before, and then it kind of increased when he got COVID. Um, I'm not going to sit here and yearn for his glory days. We know what he did, what he what he took part in. And he mocked it. I, I hope he feels better. And I hope he never touches an NHL roster ever again. But his number will be retired by Chicago, along with Patrick Kane. And we just have to live and learn from something so awful. But that does it for me here on today's episode of Locked on Flames. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. I also wanted to share uh, classroom lists. So if you have like an Amazon wish list or anything uh, as a teacher, please uh, feel free to send them over to me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Belmosto, or LO underscore flames pod. Uh, That way I can promote you guys in the show notes and hope to do that as the uh, school year kicks back into gear. And I will be back tomorrow with Nick so you know it's going to be a good one.